The Puritan's Guide to Fall Songs Guide. Where Jimmy Bloomfield has been brought back to host Joust in Modernity. Tonight's song is... I'm buying two glass on one class train. I'm so not like a windy train. I'm a pig pole threat. Get out the pig press threat file. So Prolar Threat released on Slate April 24th, 1981. Uh, there you go. That's all we've got. Fantastic. Uh, I've got other well shit. done. I don't know. So one, it's been a while since we've done anything. It's been a bit, but uh, that's okay. We'll figure it out. And busy summers, stuff going on. Yeah, I think it was just you know, summertime. Uh, yeah, summertime, baby. <laughs> that's when I think summer. I think the fall. Yeah. I'm why? Lost. Why did you pick this song? Harry? I don't because it seemed like it would be easy. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. We picked a, we picked a, or I picked a one that it. W- I was looking at her list and I was just like, w- yeah. Why haven't we done that one yet? What's a layup for us? Like, yeah, yeah. Doop. Here we go. <laughs> Don't have to think about too much. Threat. Uh, so we did pro art threat. Are we doing pro art threat? Um, I think the first thing I wrote was that. Uh, it was covered by Mark Fisher slash K-Punk in his essay, Memorex for the Krakens slash Krakens, however the hell you want to pronounce that. Mm. Uh, so it was all part of the uh, kind of low culture pulp modernism mm. essay that he did, um, which is a great essay. It's in his book, but it's still online too, I think. Okay. But it's in like four or five parts across his website. Wow. So. Yeah, I think we've referenced it 23 times on I, our I wouldn't podcast. Doubt it. Um, so, yeah, he, he covered that really well in there. Um, so, uh, as far as the lyrics go, one of the things that um, I thought was interesting was, at least on Annotated, they have a couple of things where he keeps kind of giving hints as to what it is. Um and they're saying he says in like the 80s that it's uh about uh liberal intellectuals basically kind of making fun of them and the destruction of these ridiculous liberal views which perpetuate the system yeah basically so he's he's in america that would be centrist democrats yeah like basically that's basically what i was thinking as i read that i'm like that yeah that tracks to what's happening right now just yeah like, yeah like laughing like oh you know years ago laughing oh oh, oh, nazis they'll never come back right right or just just (sighs) i try not to do this often but uh from time in grad school like you know like the head of the lit department i was a part of he was always talking about how he worked grew up working class but he was like Drove around in a red Miata convertible. Okay. (laughs) It was just like, oh, that. But, I mean, and he could have been, I don't know, but he certainly was always making fun of people that in lit that were, you know, working class (laughs) literature. Didn't want to read working class literature. Didn't want to do anything like that. And just like, driver. Yeah. She's like, come on, dude. Um, So that's, that's one thing. There's, you know, I think I think intellectuals of that time period there weren't a lot who were like uh, Barbara Ehrenreich wrote that the nickel and dimed mm-hmm. thing around that time when I was in there who just died 
couple of days ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I even had a problem with her just because I was just like, come on, <laughs> intellectual. But, you know, whatever. Uh, hey, students, I was, I was, right? Yeah, yeah, I was being an asshole. So, um, you know, which happens, I think, possibly. Um, oh, I'm going to turn stuff down. <laughs> I'm adjusting levels as we speak. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, but anyway, so... I think that that's probably one of the things that uh, it's about. But also later on, Mark was, uh, where was it? He, he said it was a satire of like the whole working class options of rock at the time. Like that's from uh, okay. from like ninety one, I think he says um, that it was basically like a satire of the whole idea of basically of the two thing of the two worlds, like. Uh, intellectual liberal class working class like Mark in the 91 or inter- interviews saying um, that uh, you know the working class all they want to do is watch videos anymore <laughs> <laughs> and that he was really making fun of them and it's just like well yeah they, they also kind of just wanted to watch videos any other time you know what I yeah, mean like yeah. I don't know I don't necessarily know if that's working class or just a certain kind of person, but uh, that's true. But whatever, that's a different argument at some other time, and some he's not song. here to yeah. like yell at us. So there we go. But, um, <clears throat> but I, th- I thought that like him Saturday, you know, and and in order to not make this just another, hey, Marky e. Smith is making fun of a bunch of people. I just wanted to like point out that he was at some points in different points of time. He's making, mm-hmm. he's saying no, it's a satire of different classes of people or different yeah. types of people and so yeah you know i think it's I, I think it's interesting i mean we've talked about this plenty on this show about him sort of being a working class intellectual uh-huh. and i and i think that's that's likely the attraction that's part of the attraction that mark fisher like we had to him and his work because mark fisher was kind of the same way yeah definitely he grew up very lower middle class and you know turned into this massive intellectual with his parents not knowing what to make of what was happening to their child <laughs> yeah like, yeah no totally reading so much <laughs> yeah but i you know it's an interesting th- thought that you know you think about it there aren't that many like truly working class bands out there that uh are well known in any way shape or form no and just throughout my life i'm always like oh no they're not you know, like yeah. every time I get one, I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, no, that guy comes from money. That guy went to the most expensive private yes. high school in California, no yeah. names. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah, I always think about, and maybe I've mentioned this on here before, but, you know, my one of my favorite things reading about the breeders was reading a, uh, something Kim Deal was talking about, about all these musicians that just seemed to, like, pop out of... Uh, pop out of the ground fully formed uh-huh. and she's like you know where are the musicians that did like we did where it was like begging for you know guitar pedals for christmas right yeah stuff exactly. like that and like socking money away to buy this amp that we want oh no that's totally exactly how i got yeah yeah same here and it's, it's not like <laughs> you know it, or you know compare that to say the strokes where you know right, right. they're just paying for everything off of albert hammond senior's 
credit card for exactly. his never rains in Cal- never rains in Southern California residuals. You uh-huh. know? Yeah, exactly. Just shit like that. It, it drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah, I can so, remember. And I think you know that. I think that's. I don't know. We can get into the, that. We start. I feel like we're falling into like, like a maximum rock and roll type essay at this point. <laughs> Here's, you know, those guys aren't real punks. No, yeah, it's true. Actually, my favorite thing about them was being on tour in California and like not having any money and like having to go eat like hot dogs but we but yeah like somebody had enough money to get us a motel room or something and it's not like we were like scraping by punk rockers i mean we were scraping by we weren't yeah. punk rockers yeah, yeah and yeah. we actually went to go visit uh what's his face's mansion because we were just like hey we're here because we were down there uh damn it i can't remember his name but uh the old tycoon of the of papers that oh uh, william randolph hearst there you go hearst hearst castle so we went to go hearst castle so it's not like we were like i mean you know we basically were just there to be like wow that yeah. shit has gold inlays yeah anyway but there, we, <laughs> there are ostriches over there what the hell yeah but yeah. uh anyway we like the strokes played on saturday night live i think while we were sitting around watching television and yeah uh, the drummer, my good friend Brent, who's been on the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he said the greatest thing about the strokes. He was just like, man, they look like they shit their pants. I'm <laughs> 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 just like, yeah, basically. Yeah. So anyway, the, sorry, that was a long involved, stupid story about. No, no, no. The strokes. Sidebars are good. That's every time somebody mentions the strokes. That's exactly what I think of. That's awesome. And I mean, that they're not punk rockers. Anyway, yeah, anyway. yeah. Uh, but yeah, we yeah we didn't. I didn't mean to get us off on the usual. No, that, was, that was me. Working class. Stuff. I did that. I but, did that. But I think <laughs> I, I just thought that was interesting because. Uh, yeah. And you know, given his, his <laughs> the way he deals with the press, it's he could have just been like whatever. Like it might have just been some weird thing with the reporter that was there. Yeah. Like you, he know. Just, you know, decided to go down that path. <clears throat> Whoever was interviewing him, yeah. But I think you know. I think that 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 you know, Mark Fisher's point about you know, what does it say here? The threat is posed as much to other representations of the pro- proletarian pop culture, which at its best meant the jam, and at its worst meant the more thuggish oi. Yeah. As is, as it is against the ruling class as such. Right, right, right. So that that feels very baked into this song for sure. Uh huh. Oh man. Which reminds me, there's a really good, and as a total tangent, there's a really good, I think it's by the drummer of Deerhoof, and it was oh, it's yeah. on like Talk House. It's like a nice little concise essay about when they released the Woodstock 99. Uh, oh, yeah. Last okay. year. Um, the two documentaries. About yeah, and he was yeah. just talking about how, like, it was, it, yeah. It was just basically like saying how. Rage Against the Machine and um, the Nookie Boys, whatever new Limp Biscuit. Yeah, yeah, were uh, basically two sides of the same coin. Yeah, because they were just basically the same, you know, millionaire-backed <laughs> sort of thing. Yes. Uh, so anyway, in that, you know, sadly, culture isn't going to bring about any sort of revolution to bring. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, true. <laughs> bring, oh. Uh, oh. I, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to sound like uh, what's his face uh, with the seven-part documentary either. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was really you guys should look that up uh, if you want. No, I'm interested in that. Uh, he, he's got very 
the deer have people very very solid perspectives on yeah that world yeah exactly because they've seen enough of it you know i think i always loved the, the the stuff they talked about how radiohead treated them when they took radio when radiohead took them on tour in, in europe oh i've never heard that but yeah if you want to skip that until after no, no, i can tell you it's pretty easy i'll just tell it to you right now it's just, right? you know they were great to them that's what they're saying oh, good. like okay that they were so supportive and so like the they you know gave them every little bit of help that they needed to oh, make sure the cool. stuff was dialed in on stage and they said they had a night off and uh playing some club in ireland i think and and they had a night like the radiohead tour had a night off and radiohead just like they all came to the deer host gig oh nice and just danced their asses off and like, <laughs> no, that's that's how you do it you know? that's no that's really you, cool yeah well i'm glad i yeah you know it's radiohead whatever yeah, exactly <laughs> that's good good to know about them they like the fall i don't know I'll, I'll call johnny and <laughs> that's uh a, that's a anyway. question i'd like answered somebody somebody leave us leave us a message let us know. <laughs> right uh so working class yes yes blah blah <laughs> check um so uh one little thing that yeah. i thought was interesting at the beginning i always thought he screamed pink press rant and then somebody on annotated said pink press rat which i can hear oh yeah but it's actually pink press threat would I've never I've never heard the threat, but no, I he does either. say threat in other parts of the song. Yeah, so and I, and I think that I was listening a lot to a live version that I have oh, okay. of them in uh, Berkeley in 1981. Oh, okay. And th- there's a lot of threat in in that beginning, and he also just like messes around with the structure of the song as he as he's want to do mm-hmm. uh, in the live setting. So yeah, I definitely so, but. Yeah, rat. That's good. And yeah, that, that does track. Now that I'm thinking on it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but rant also always tracked with me because it just seemed like a joke yeah. to start off the song. Like, so like this oh, is what's coming up. Yeah, yeah, and basically, yeah. <laughs> Listen to this, kid. So uh, in the end, uh, pink denoting communism. Mm-hmm. So in pink press being like left leaning press or whatever. Yeah. So uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, there's a couple so there's a couple of uh oh uh mark also said that um this started out as a play and was condensed and made to be more jokey or something more more of a joke uh really curious about which is that yeah which is interesting because when you look at the lyrics it it looks like a play yeah and he doesn't say like yeah he doesn't say who is speaking but in the lyrics it shows who is speaking yeah uh which i thought was pretty interesting uh he does the same sort of sound effect thing yes somebody mentioned the prisoner within annotated which i was like yeah he's kind of or you know like parallax view or (laughs) the condor yeah yeah or like all those other ones yeah i wasn't imitating mark i was just actually making my own sound no i like it uh so but yeah i think time period late 70s early 80s he had all those incredibly paranoid spy movies and shows and such a huge school of those i guess prisoner was like 60s but yeah still still that's that sort of yeah that sort of lit the fuse for a lot of that 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 thinking in pop culture yeah exactly government intervention and you know exactly yeah yeah um which i i just thought that was interesting yeah uh to do it as a play i I thought that was pretty cool i i'm i'm surprised that it took i'm surprised that that 
I think it was last year the book came out that's like his horror screenplay that Mark used to Yeah, wrote, yeah. Which I have the title of it written down here somewhere. Yeah, I can't find it, but that's fine. Um, the thing from somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. It was remember. the otherwise. Oh, that was it. Okay. Yeah, yeah the yeah. otherwise. His his uh, horror script, and I'm surprised in a lot of ways that he did. They, you know, obviously they did do some theater stuff with Michael. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah, don't Graves. Get no, I remember his name. Anyway, we never remember his name. Never remember names on here. Sorry, people. <laughs> But you know the person I'm talking about. The, 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 but that was more dance stuff, and there was yeah, yeah. you know the Curious Orange, and, and yeah, yeah. I'm surprised knowing that that he didn't get asked to do more. Or maybe he did get asked to do more like writing work outside of the fall. Like I think he could have been like knowing this. Like when I was reading through the lyrics of this, um, what I kept going back to was uh, like how. This could feel like this was like a Beckett play. Some of it, like a really dr- garbled right. Beckett play or Alfred Jarry. Yeah, you know some of like Ubu Roy, that sort of thing. Like no, that I, totally I think makes he could, sense. I think he could have gone down that path if he really wanted to. I think that totally makes sense because it is so like there's no sense to it, and yeah. it's basically just repeating a lot of the same things yeah. over and over again with two different people, and it's so it's really absurdist, it's really absurd. comedy like satirically yeah it's very symbolist you yeah, know yeah, I, exactly. I, I think he could have yeah so I'm I'm, I'm amazed it's, it kind of you know it's like I'd be really interested to see to read like a to see a staging of a play of his or like turn this into right. an actual stage performance of some kind that would be pretty nice um, yeah I'm amazed that didn't happen more that he wasn't like called in to work on a film script I mean he did write that film script apparently but you know which I haven't read um, I haven't either, yeah. But I'm surprised it didn't happen more just because his, his way with words and his way with language. But then again, I, maybe he looked down upon, like, uh, theater as sort of, you know, that's that's for the upper crust. So that's for the upper classes. Could have been. You know, whereas pop music for, you know, broad, the broadest term of pop music possible, uh, that that's more for everybody. Right, right. You know right. what I mean? No, yeah. Or it could have been they just didn't want to pay him to do it. That's true. That could be it, too. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Like, so when I, wait, I don't get paid until this thing gets produced? Well, then, no, I'm not bothered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I might have to work for free? No. Yeah. Which I wouldn't either. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> Yet another way Hiram and Marky Smith are alike. It's so true. There's one in every episode, people. Just Listen for it. Drunk and also doesn't want to... <laughs> deal with the upper crust always on speed ornery <laughs> right you beat me up the other day <laughs> mainly i just called and berated you over the phone it's true no every time we're together he's if i have a if an amplifier and i'm working he's always like unplugging things and turning the volume down it's horrible you need you need to be more acoustic uh so there's okay so other other than that uh so on this song yeah i want to talk about like there's two musical things the first is yeah so I always love the the sound of this thing mm-hmm. more than usual. Uh, but Paul Hanley was quoted on Annotated uh, as saying like he tried to rip off a Doctor Feelgood shuffle, but we ended up with a gallop, which yeah. I thought was pretty hilarious. Which is totally what it is. Yeah, it's part of. Uh, it's more like a weird Marshall thing. Yeah, it was part of uh, one of Tim Burgess's Twitter listening parties. Which yeah, is where he said yeah. That listening to this, doing this record. Yeah, which exactly. I, I want to look up the rest of those actually because. Yeah, I like that a lot. And, and listening to the song that he's referencing, the Doctor Feelgood's "Milk and Alcohol," mm-hmm. like it, there's, 
like it's not just the drumming to me like listening to it it seems like they were they were all sort of pulling from that song in some weird oh really too. interesting okay there's some little sonic details in there that was like oh the, and the bit of the stop and start stuff i was like oh you guys were listening to dr feelgood uh, which doesn't surprise me i think they're they they are one of the more underappreciated influences in a lot of pop post-punk groups like i know yeah totally andy gill talks about how much he ripped off wilco johnson in yeah, his guitar yeah, playing, yeah so and that makes sense because you know johnson's guitar playing is just crazy yeah Jack, and he wasn't playing with a pick. He's, yeah, no, he's playing with his fingers. Oh, and, wow. And I would imagine it was just incredibly fucking loud. Yeah. <laughs> and so. Yeah. Which is uh, what Gil played at, I believe. Yes. So. I only got about halfway through that documentary that's, that uh, Julian Temple did about Dr. Feelgood. It's pretty good. I'd like like back to the rest of that. Yeah. Uh, I made it all the way through. I might have fast forwarded a little bit because it gets a little. Uh whatever like behind the music I yeah. guess like towards the end like that and then the drugs came in or whatever <laughs> what but, yeah I know shocking yeah yeah so although you know I guess they were all on drugs anyway so like yeah. like John Wilco was always talking about like yeah I was teaching and taking acid and uh, <laughs> doing speed all the time so I just decided I'd quit teaching and become a rock and roller or whatever <laughs> so that's it's actually really good like, they're one of my favorite, uh, you know, bar rock bands from the 70s. Oh, absolutely. I know, I know there's, like, a lot of good ones, but I, I don't know. Every time I hear or see him play, like, when if something pops up on YouTube, I just have to, and it's live, I want to see Wilco Johnson play. Yeah, so. I'm the same way. Um, so there's that, but also there's this from my own brain. So, Do it. Uh, there's that part in the verses where it just becomes, like, it sounds like, to me, it always sounds like some late 19th century, early 20th, well, probably more early 20th, mm-hmm. uh, Russian orchestra, like, just sawing away like, oh, on yeah. violins, like, right? <laughs> or, like, bees coming in. From, yes. <laughs> or something like that. And I love that, uh, which leads me to two things. One is, I believe that it must have been the fall where they were talking about so, and I can't remember if it was like the big big midweek or it was like uh, some early interview I read where somebody was like, oh, I loved how you guys made your uh, guitars sound like not quite in tune. That was really great. And they were just yeah. like, dude, that's just how the guitars sound. Like, this is what- <laughs> Wait, we have to tune these Right, things? wait, what do you mean tuning? <laughs> uh, and I apologize for not remembering that, but it's always stuck in my head yeah, for, yeah. It's, for years. But also, too, like, there's this part in Unwound's uh, Message Received mm. where they do that. They have the same feel. Yeah. Where she's like, like bees coming. Um, and that's the only time where, even with Sonic Youth, and, like, I've listened to them since I was in high school yeah Sonic never gets that quality of sound Mm -hmm. that Unwound somehow got but especially like that The Fall got by however they did it on that on those verses so kudos I guess (laughs) I don't know you know (laughs) it's it's just awesome I just love like so the thing is with this song I've never paid much attention to the lyrics because of that totally This this is definitely one of those songs where I'm like the music comes first for everything. Sure. For me, at least. 
And so when I was actually looking at the lyrics, one, I was like, wait, it's not rant? Or, you know? <laughs> and then two, uh, you know, like, uh, I'm glad you brought up the whole, like, Jari uh, yeah. sort of idea. Um, so, yeah, anyway, there you go. That's I really love the music for this one. No, it's one of my okay. favorites, too, for, for the music alone. Um, I think... Say well, it relates to me like that that sound you're talking about. It's sort of like the the hum they're talking about in the song, where everyone hears There's the hum too. at two yeah, a.m. Yeah. And um, I was going to bring up the Taos hum at the end, but yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. Um, but yeah, I was again. I was thinking of the Doctor Feelgood song, listening to that and hearing that, but then hearing the folks that have sort of taken. Uh, besides Unwound, there's a there's a, a Yummy Fur song. Uh-huh. That I'm gonna bring. You know the Yummy Fur? No, no. I forget where they're from. They're British, like post-punk bands uh, from later, like late '80s. Okay. Um, and they had a song called Prol Birthday Song. I think it's what it's a Prol Birthday Song. I think that's what it is. <laughs> and it's very much in the same spirit. I like, was gonna say you think it's probably related to uh, Prol yeah, Art Threat. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like I think they're, they're, the the. It's a little more playful, a little more poppy, but the guitar tones in that are very much in that same vein with a oh. very abrasive quality to it. Yeah, yeah. Amidst the, the more catchy stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, another diversion. Have I ever mentioned the Nod song, the G-N-O-D, the, the band Nod? Is it Gnod? Or no, Nod? I, I know who you're talking about, but I don't know that you've mentioned it before. All right. They have this uh, song on their... Uh, one of their albums from a few years ago that it's obviously about Mark and it looks and they've looped what sounds like Mark making okay. weird noises in the back but like uh, but they talk about how he wears Italian shoes and it's kind of funny uh, I'm going to listen, I'm gonna have to it, look that one up later yeah, yeah. I, I'll send you a link um, yeah anyway so uh interesting yeah, yeah. Send, me, send me a link to that one because I had never heard of that one yeah so so um, <clears throat> The connection that they're Scottish, the Yummy Fur, and I forgot this part of the connection is that uh, early on, uh, Alex, uh, I forget what his name is, Cap Capranos, oh. uh, who's in the Franz Ferdinand. Oh. He was a member of the Yummy Fur for a oh. while. So this was in the 90s. And then, yeah. They've had like a ton of people come in and out of that band and <laughs> got back together in 2010. Actually played out here at one point. I, didn't, I don't really? know why I didn't go to the show, but I wrote something about it. But yeah. Huh. Great band, though. I will, I will share that for you when, when right. I get home. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that, that line about the hum that everyone hears. It's a real science fiction quality. Right. That, like, um, well, I was thinking, cause I, so what it reminded me of instantly, and this is probably just because it was so recent, is I watched an episode of, there's a, a, a show called You Can't Ask That that I found that's on like Canopy that streaming service oh right uh-huh. and so there are different versions of the show I found out my wife and I found out that, <laughs> but this one there's uh, it's all this one is all Canadian people and it's basically all Canadian people with either disabilities or like something that that, uh, that is part of their lives like oh. there's, there's episodes and so people send in like the questions that are kind of like the obvious questions that people right. get asked all the time and they're like oh we will answer these questions Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's really amazing, like empathizing type of show. Uh, so this, you know, show this episodes about some people with wheel that are in wheelchairs, people with schizophrenia. Um, but the one that I was thinking of is there's an episode of Deaf People. Oh, okay. And so people are asking, can you hear anything? Uh-huh. And one of the the women uh, that was part of this was talking about like she has like profound deafness, can speak normally, but can't really hear anything. But what she hears 
is in one ear she hears a there's a constant hum that's sort of like she said like a dial-up tone and the and the other ear it's like this beeping sound so that's what i was thinking of wow yeah but, but I also get like a really, I don't know, uh, it feels like something that would be like a Don DeLillo book. Like everyone at this hour It totally this is hum. a DeLillo book. Yeah. yeah, thing. It's weird. Or even like Pynchon or something. Yes. Yeah. It's a Daphne and Pynchon. That's the other one. Yeah. Those two guys, I'm, I'm not convinced they're not the same guy. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone seen those two in the same room at the same time? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, there's no pictures of it. Didn't happen. Uh, no, totally. And I think like. Didn't he? Did he have a hum in one of his books? I can't remember, but I. I, well, I thought that was part of like. Was it part, part of, of white, white noise? noise? Yeah. I thought it was too. It was yeah. like. What was it called? I mean, it was the airborne toxic event, yeah, which, is, which is the whole thing. But I thought there was there was like a I, I haven't read it in ages, so. No, I was just thinking now that I'm, they're making a movie out of it, and I'm just like, how the fuck are they going to make a movie out of this? I can I think, think of worse sh- people to make that movie than Noah Baumbach, so we'll see. Yeah, but I don't like his movies, so... I could also think of worse people, but also... A cisgendered white dude in my late 40s. Of course I'm going to like Noel Baumbach's films. Of course I am. Sorry, dude. This is why I'm surprised you don't. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I do. You know, you are listen, what you listen, hate, listen. I hear. But, uh, yeah, I don't listen, know. I just want to watch Greta Gerwig on, tel- on a screen. No, no I understand. I'll admit it. No, that's I'm cool. human. I, I understand. Uh, but no, I have been asking myself, like, how are they going to do this? Yeah. When half of it's in someone's brain. Yeah. And then then it always leads to, inevitably, shit, I need to read that book again. Yeah, it's exactly. Been like 20 That's years. Exactly it. It's been a while. So, yeah. uh, so there you go. Uh, but the hum. So, yeah, I had never thought about this. I thought of it when I read the hum mm-hmm. as the hum of equipment going on because oh, sure. they're all like in the safe house you know supposedly or uh, heading that's a good point. to the safe house but then on annotated everybody brought up the hum as in the Taos hum which is this weird thing you can only hear you, you don't know this? no but go on please. but in Taos New Mexico there's apparently this hum that only certain people can hear it but uh, and it's usually late at night when everything's quiet and they think it might be related to well, maybe not in Taos, but in other places, might be related to volcanic activity. Whoa. But you can hear it, you know. Like, our refrigerator makes weird noises, <laughs> which drive me insane sometimes. Sure, but sure. that's what I always think of it as. Like, you know, when if I'm... Like, there are people who are in houses who are very susceptible to electronic noises. And I think yes. even, like... Uh, shit. What's that podcast? American podcast this american life this american Life, whiner yeah uh yeah. yeah yeah so yeah this american life sorry i shouldn't have said, i'll cut that out but anyway <laughs> uh my class is a big fan of this you can't you i can't, know you can't, i used to really love that show and then oh, i just same. listened to too many of them or something yeah it's it, but i'm pretty sure they did much an, too much they yeah. did an episode on this where a guy like was having suicidal thoughts because of his of noises he didn't really know what was going on they figured out it was his refrigerator like that was causing him to have self-harming thoughts so yeah wow so I can understand that because that I can understand that 
<laughs> like just yeah. like noises going on. I think the, not to that extent, but no, you know. no. But no. So this is a land-based like I've thing. Never heard of this thing. That, to, I didn't. I obviously didn't get to that part of the imitative right, but comments. So there were lots of people talking about that. And Taos, the Taos one is the one I always remember because it's in New Mexico around, you know, UFOs, uh, nuclear energy, right. weird, just overall New Mexican weirdness that happens. In How the, far is those Taos, places. New Mexico from Marfa, Texas, where the Ooh, lights? I don't know. I'm not a geography some, like, major. Ley line right there that we yeah, don't there know could about be. That, that's connecting those two. Well, you know, New Mexico is just. Nice got all the, in general, yeah. It's got a lot of Sounds weird shit. Bad. Uh, you know, but yeah, um, I don't know. I was like That's New Mexico. Fascinating. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. I do too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, so that, no one complained. Yeah, I would like the I would like, I like to apologize food. to the Mexico Chamber of Commerce, the <laughs> tourism board. We love you. And don't um, send any aliens towards us. <laughs> that is interesting. I'm going to have to look into that because that that is something. That's oh, do yeah. If un- you've never heard of it, yeah, like look I, it up. I it will happens look into like. That all over the world it's one of those it's one of those 90s conspiracy theories that used to be fun to talk about uh, until conspiracies went full on right wing and now you can't be whatever but you can't be like you know you can't just talk about weird hums in the world for no apparent reason you can't do the Art Bell thing anymore it's always gotta be done political nonsense yeah exactly we were talking about shellac before we started this and that reminded me of uh the story that, that Bob Weston and Steve Albini were talking about at some studio they were recording uh-huh. where they kept they <clears throat> kept getting this sound in one of the rooms from the amps. And like, uh-huh. where is this coming from? We couldn't figure it out. And they figured out that in the office that was in the on the other side of the wall where the studio space was, there was an office space over there. And whenever they were using the copy machine or the copy machine was turned on, it was affecting... The electricity, the electricity, the amplifiers, uh, and like causing that, that sort of humming. Right. And so they have to call, call like you know, hey Gladys, can you unplug <laughs> the copier for a little while so we can do a take of? Did they talk about that at the show? No, this was this was like an interview I read a while back. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts. No, I mean it totally makes sense because absolutely right. If, you rec- if you're a home recorder, you know like when the heater kicks on, yes. it, le- it may- does weird things <laughs> yes. or whatever. So that totally makes sense. But uh, that's just, yeah, that sounds like they they were at a studio that somebody didn't build correctly or yeah, something. But think, but still, I mean, maybe pre very electrical audio days. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, my question for you is if you. Uh, because I was, I was looking, you know, you look up Pearl Art Threat, do the Googling on that. And uh-huh. a couple of other things unrelated to the fall come up. And one of them was a radio show in San Diego on KXL, KXLU uh-huh. that's been going on since like 2001. Uh-huh. This guy's been doing that's like, it's kind of like the, I don't know if you know that Part Time Punks show. Uh, I've heard of it, it's, yeah. I think it's another Bay Area show, and they get a lot of like post punk bands to come in and perform, like uh, Pop, Pop Tone, which is the group. Which is Kevin Haskins and Daniel Ash and Kevin Haskins' daughter oh, okay. doing like old Love and Rockets and Tones on Tail songs? Huh. Um, like they did a session there, and just all these bands come through. Then they, you know, it's like a peel session kind of thing. Right, right. But the part, I guess Pearl Art Thread is a similar thing where they just bring have bands touring through and they come in and play sets and stuff. Oh, nice. A lot of uh, yeah, mostly about this. Mostly covering the San Diego scene, but it kind of expands out to you know what's going on around the rest of the world. Which right, is right. Cool. No, that is. Yeah, and then uh, in 2020, there was an album by this uh, 
grime artist. I think it's, I want to say grime. I might be getting that wrong. Um, All you I, grime people, don't yell at yeah, us. Yeah, don't yell at us, please. <laughs> it's, it's this producer Eastman is what he's called. Mm-hmm. He's from London. And so, yeah, it's a lot of dancehall grime stuff. Um, and he released a record on Planet Mew called Prole Art Threat. Oh, which he says, and I thought this was good. It says it's a reference to the fall song of the same name, one that the producer insists should be taken as a reflection of working class creativity and how the establishment marginalize us and perhaps on a subconscious level see us as a threat. Yes. And that is part of what Mark had said earlier about the song was about the whole like liberal, you know, intellectuals who love the working class until they have to deal with them. Exactly. <laughs> Basically. Exactly. And I'll admit, like, I, you know, I've, re- I've found this myself in stupid ways. I see this happening to myself. I'm just like, I feel so bad for, say, um, just my stupid example, and I'll just get personal for a second here. So we were in Seattle very recently, and I was just seeing on so many restaurants and shops, like, help wanted signs on all the windows. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, they cannot hire anybody to work here because nobody can pay people enough right, yeah. to live in Seattle. And it's happening here in Portland, too. Oh, yeah, totally. And I've, like, run into that head first of, like, trying to, like, order food for us and going to, like, a restaurant nearby our house and being like, well, it's going to be, like, forever to get your food because we're short-staffed and, like, uh-huh. you know, the wait staff is, like, like doing the busing, doing the serving, doing the bartending. There's, like, three people, like, running around like crazy. Right. Try to go to another place, and it's the same thing. <clears throat> yeah, and yeah. So, and so, and then I found myself just getting, like, oh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> What are they doing? They could be working right now. It's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I know. Like, they're not getting paid enough for you to be acting like this. They're going to be like $9 an hour to be exactly this crap. Like, come on. Yeah. Uh, remember that time during the pandemic when everybody was happy be- for, only because they thought maybe it would change the world? <laughs> this is not the way. This is not the future liberals wanted. Oh happy holidays, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, or wow. at least Americans. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, happy Labor Day. We are recording this on Labor Day. Oh my God, how do we time this so perfectly? They should have mentioned that at the start of the show. Holy crap! Yeah, I probably should have. <laughs> I realized it halfway through. Maybe that's yeah. Maybe that's because I'm, I'm like, I don't, whatever. I'm just like I have to, I have to go back to work tomorrow, so yeah. it's never like a real vacation day. Oh, totally. Never it's always like good. fuck. Yeah. I gotta clean the house. Like, <laughs> I skipped cleaning the house on Sunday. Now yeah. I'm doing it on a oh, Monday. Shit, I gotta get done today. <laughs> but anyway, that Eastman record is actually really good. I will, I will check that it's one a out. A lot of like, if you like the whole like, uh, you know, UK grime and hip hop scene. Like, yeah, yeah, a lot of great MCs in there. No, and I think are. it's a, it's a fitting title too for what a lot of those guys are talking about. Oh, totally. Because they're all like, you know, people of color living in England, and their music is is you know constantly being marginalized. And, you know, maybe not to the degree that like, say, you know. The New York mayor is trying to de- like criminalize drill music. At point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still a problem. But it's still like you know one of the biggest uh, you know genres going in England right now. So. Totally. Well, yeah. Although I'm sure there's maybe one person who's listening to this going, "No, it's not." <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're old and American, and we're white, and we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we care. But we no, do. we do. No, yeah, I wanted. I, I definitely want to check that out. Like, I will check that out because I wasn't really. I was just googling like Pearl Art Threat the Fall. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, like, totally. Just looking at the fall totally. Because um, I had forgotten all about it, and I'm really curious now because um, I'm going to pull this up from the quietest. 
because uh, that producer uh, did a did a baker's dozen for oh, the cool. quietest, which is the thing where he, you, for anyone who's unfamiliar, the quietest is this great uh, UK uh, music site and I, culture site. We're I, big fans. Yeah, yeah. I still wish they would just fucking up the font by a couple of points. Just a little you bit, right? Fuckers. Oh, God. But he did uh, one of the one of the. Baker's dozen is basically they get an artist in there, and the artist picks thirteen records that are important or influential to them, and right, then they right. talk about each one. And he does talk about a fall record, and I don't remember which one it is. And I'm trying to like hurriedly <laughs> figure it out while I'm explaining what this site is all about. The quietest.co.uk yeah, yeah. is the place to go. I will say I like uh, grime, and every time I get oh, in, yeah. start to get into it, I'm just like. I get overwhelmed. It's like going, it's like skipping listening to death metal for 10 years and then you do it and you're just like, wait, one, everybody uses synths now? What? And then like, it's just like, yeah. everything's gone nuts. Speaking from personal experience, I'm just like, what is this? Shockingly enough, and this is so stupid of me that I didn't remember, of course, it's Slate. So it's <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I hope there are people screaming at their computers and smartphones right now, like, it's Slate's, you idiot. Of course he picks Slate's. But he talks about Pearl Art Thread. He says, it's my favorite track, a real punky tune, and I just, well, punky tune, and I just love the name. And this is that, that quote again. It's the idea that proletarian art is a threat to the system, and that I think it is. I come from pirate radio, which is a working-class art form bred from areas where people had fuck all, yeah. so they made their own thing, and that was a threat to the system, which is why they were constantly trying to shut them down. Yep. Which is amazing. I, I'm. I wish there was more of that. There's. I mean. I mean. If you know, for all the 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 evils that the internet has wrought on the world, if the, that democratization to be able to get people access to do radio shows, to do podcasts like yeah. this, and to, to get that stuff out there, and to yes. get it to people who want to hear it. It's kind of an amazing thing. So no, I love that. Yeah, uh, Portland has a few. Like I think I I don't, I don't know a few if, underground stations. Yeah, I was going to say I, yeah. I don't. I was trying to remember if they were, if you could actually catch it on a radio, if it's just internet. Like I think but, there are some like there are there were a bunch of low powered FM licenses that got picked up over okay. the past few years. Like that's where X Ray kind of got in there. Okay. Uh, but there's a Portland radio project that's been doing one. There's right. The I was numbers. Gonna say, there's Freeform. Yeah, Freeform, the numbers, which <clears> is like a more uh, for more of a black art and black culture. Yeah, which is great. Which is uh, great. There's the one in, in Vancouver, Washington, just across the river. So there's still that. There's still an element of that going on. Which yeah, is yeah. Great. I'm no, glad, yeah. I'm glad the FCC has kind of loosened their grip a little bit on that to let no, like, very these good. very homegrown stations be a thing. I, uh, just because we were talking about it, I thought the numbers was a part of the X-ray family. It is. I mean, they're kind of okay. connect, they're kind of. I mean, the one in Vancouver is as well. They're very much like okay. They're very much connected stations, and they share some programming here and there. But there is like separate um, people no, that, in charge of each station and gotcha. separate boards of directors and stuff like that. Yeah. I just know that like, the numbers, I can pick up really easily where I live. Yeah. Which is the numbers yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but then once you head like downtown yeah you can't pick it up at yeah. all and but it's, it's the like, same with free forum and even x-ray yeah. it's really hard to get out this way no it's true and so well x-ray actually x-ray i can usually get oh, kind of easily from here this is my house though. yeah maybe like they have a cut off at gresham or something yeah <laughs> i deserve that we all deserve that in gresham. we don't deserve it. but I, yeah i i you know i mean you and i both come up from the college radio yeah exactly. era as well which was a huge thing yeah and so i don't were you ever a fan of pirate radio was that something that ever came into your world you know they didn't have like they had really small signal radio when mm-hmm. i was 
back in bumfuck Kansas, but <laughs> but uh, college radio was big. Yeah. Um, and even those like really small radio stations weren't playing. It was more like free form. Yeah. Like they were playing crazy things that like we would have never heard. Yeah. Like so we would listen to those stations a lot. Like you would hear. And it wasn't like they were um, oldie stations, but you would hear like Higher Ground by Stevie uh, mm-hmm. Wonder backed with something from the 80s, like Black Velvet, you know, like right. the, the country version. Like there's a country and a pop version of oh, Black yeah, Velvet. That's right. so you, yeah. yeah, so you'd hear the country version of Black Velvet, which is essentially the same. There was no difference. I think they might have had a. Steel a into it yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I think they <laughs> snuck some pedal steel and a little twang into yeah, one. Yeah. But yeah, so those were kind of cool. So they weren't quite, um, you know, pirate stations. But I, but I came to know pirate stations like after getting older and moving out of bumfuck. Yeah, and then, like, yeah. you know, and so, like, on top of, especially like as those things became more easily like found on the internet mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always a big fan of that kind of stuff because yeah oh and then there's the movie pump up the volume yeah totally forgot about that yeah yeah, yeah. that was the thing kind of introduced me to how cool <clears throat> that idea could be of like a you know an illicit radio station yeah and i you know uh, um because yeah like i said I, you know i used to live i lived back east for a while and that's where i sort of really fell in love with with left of the dial college radio and like having a shortwave radio and be able to pick up signals at night from yeah and England that too and, yeah and from the armed forces yeah and stuff like that and so coming out here like living in, living where I did in the sticks on the coast out here it was a lot harder to get that there was at least like the one uh, com- community radio station out in Astoria that I listened to but the only way I could like get things beyond that mm-hmm. was getting stations like coming in from Canada at night mm, when the, when the right. broadcasts were able to reach you know really far and right. catch like brave new waves. Right, right. You know, very, very fuzzy sounding brain. No, that's but really it was cool. great. But you yeah, know. yeah. No, there was. Um, I think I've talked about this before, but there was a college station in Pittsburgh, Kansas, which mm-hmm. there's a university here. Uh, and then, like on, it was usually classical, but on Sundays at like eleven to one or something, Sunday nights, mm-hmm. uh, they would play like the Butthole Surfers and that kind of stuff. Like they yeah. played all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, so I listened to that or when I was a little bit younger, I could take my radio out and stick it against our TV antenna, which we still had, and I could pick up, like, like a, a station that would play hip-hop. I, I don't know oh, where wow. this was from because I lived in the middle of nowhere. So I always assumed <laughs> it was from, like, Wichita or Kansas City, and but both of those were, like, two hours away yeah. from me. But I remember hearing, like, um, somebody who took the new shoes... Uh, track and then wrapped over it and i finally found it once you did on oh wow spotify i think oh wow on some weirdo comp that like was a bunch of just 80s tracks um so like it, there, there was lots of stuff like that going around but yeah they weren't quite yeah. pirate but who knows man i have no idea where that was coming from or maybe it was just another pit state station and i was like thinking it was being beamed in from mars or something who knows yeah, but, yeah. it's it's a weird it's Oh, it's always fascinating to me, like hearing my dad talk about the, you know, or you hear anybody from, you know, the the 50s and talking about like radio broadcasting, like right. Mexico reaching all the way up the oh, East Coast yeah. because there were no like limits on uh, signal strength yeah. at that time. So that's where you know Wolfman Jack was broadcasting exactly. out of Tijuana. Also, also uh, one of the most famous Kansans, 
uh, was the main guy who did the huge country station down there that you, that the Carter family used to go play at. Oh, that's right. He was a yeah, doctor. Yeah. He he used to put goat glands in people's <laughs> bodies to <laughs> up their sex drive. Right. He was a huge quack. There's been several books yeah, and yeah, shit yeah, about yeah. him. All right. Uh, yeah, but he's he's famous Kansan. Yeah. So yeah, he started the country station that all that shit came wow. from tier one yeah it's kind of weird it, it was basically a way to advertise his quackery of course obviously <laughs> yeah because yeah. they had like 10 kajillion watts of power or something yeah. so but yeah but anyway, we're living in a there you go. pretty amazing world now where like you know a radio station like nts can be, oh yeah can totally. exist and and you know bring a lot of this amazing music to people and really you know as i'm saying democratize things in a huge way and open yeah it up to so many people in totally ways that weren't possible when the fall were around when you know <laughs> yeah exactly British Broadcasting Corporation I know. was quashing this is, radio this is where I would sarcastically say hey remember when the internet used to be a great thing everyone happy Labor Day safe house safe house